Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to our program. My name is Ellie Nieves and I'm a woman's leadership speaker, writer, and coach. I'm also the founder and president of Leadership Strategies for Women. I work with and speak for companies, organizations, and associations that want to develop their emerging leaders into effective managers and executives. I also coach women who want to achieve more both personally and professionally. Through my speaking and coaching programs, I help individuals and organizations to develop leadership skills and set strategic goals that will help them to achieve their vision for success. For more information, you can go to my website at www.leadershipstrategiesforwomen.com. The title of our show today is Five Principles of Exemplary Leadership, What the Most Successful Women Do Right. And our guest is Emily Bennington. Emily Bennington is co-author of the very first book that every new grad should own, The title of the book is Effective Immediately, How to Fit In, Stand Out, and Move Up at Your First Real Job. She is a frequent speaker on the topic of career success and provides organizational savvy training to new grads and their employers. Emily has been featured on Fox Business, CNN, and ABC, as well as quoted in publications including the Wall Street Journal, the New York Post, and Washington Post Express. She's a contributing writer for Monster.com, and a featured blogger for the Huffington Post, Forbes Women, and U.S. News and World Report. Emily's second book, A Career Guide for Young Women, will be published in the fall of 2012 by Amacom. She can be reached online at www.emilybennington.com and on Twitter and Facebook as well. Emily, welcome to the show. Great. Thanks so much for having me, Ellie. I'm so excited to have you on the show. I love your topics and I love your energy, and I'm looking forward to hearing more during our conversation. Excellent. So, Emily, share with us a little bit about your background. Sure. I got into training new grads and really career professionals in general accidentally because when I graduated from college, I didn't have a job, I hadn't gone to the career fair, I thought that I knew a lot more about success and entering the workforce than I really did, and when I did find a job, I made a lot of rookie mistakes. Uh, For example, I thought that my success was dependent upon um, me as an individual and not so much on my ability to work in a team and motivate the members of my team. Um, I wore the wrong things and all sorts of, like, fun mistakes. Well, not so fun for me, but just lots of mistakes that new grads make when they transition from college to career. But I was really, really lucky because I had an outstanding mentor who really took the time to coach me and teach me some of the things that I needed to know, to pull me aside when I was making mistakes and not embarrass me in front of my coworkers, but to correct me politely and respectfully on the side. And I just learned so much from him that I started to follow him around with a notebook, really, and just write down some things. And then after about a year or so, I had quite a collection of things that I had learned from him, and I said that I wanted to put it in a book. And, you know, we didn't know anybody in New York. We didn't have any publishing contacts at all. And so it took about seven years from the time that I said, I really want to put this in a book, to the time that the book came out. But the book came out. It's effective immediately, how to fit in, stand out, and move up at your first real job. It came out last year. And then just as a result of writing the book, I got really passionate about 
um, career, career work, helping people succeed in their career. And so things just kind of took off from there. And now I'm on my second book and um, and a solopreneur out um, teaching new grads and others how to succeed. And it all started with uh, my own mistakes. (laughs) (laughs) Fabulous, fabulous. So your first book, which you just mentioned, Effective Immediately, was written for new grads that are just entering the workforce. So why did you decide to focus your next book on women in particular? Well, as I mentioned, I wrote Effective Immediately um, because I made a lot of rookie mistakes in my own transition from college to career. And writing for women came about that very same way. I had been promoted, it was a few years into my career, and I'd been promoted to a director-level job, and I was um, responsible for managing employees at this point. And it was a totally new thing for me. I was thrown into it without any training or, or experience or background, and so I was nervous about it. And I, uh, you know, to compound, compound that, I was responsible for managing somebody who was about 15 years senior to me and had been with the company for all of that time. And so I was nervous about telling her, delegating assignments to her, actually. So um, the first time that I had to do it, I almost had to, like, psych myself up and say, okay, you know, this is this is my job, and I'm going to go in there, and I'm going to be respectful, but I'm going to delegate this this um, assignment. And so I went in there, and I did that, and I was feeling very good about my leadership abilities that I was just flexing. And then I noticed on the corner of her desk that she had some leftover Tupperware from lunch. And because I was so nervous about whether or not she would like me, this is the classic woman thing, we always mm-hmm. want to be liked, that I picked up her dirty Tupperware and I looked at her and I was like, can I take this for you? And <laughs> she looked at me like, you know, I mean, who who does that? You know, I don't think my boss, who was a man, would have come in and, and offered to clean up her desk and take her Tupperware. But, um, you know, when I tell this story, a lot of people say, Emily, you know, you were just doing, you were being nice. What's wrong with being nice? And I say that there's nothing wrong with being nice whatsoever. But what I was doing was wrong because I was trying to, I was unsure of my own leadership potential, and I was overcompensating by trying to be nice. And there's the problem. There was the rub. So I was like, hmm, well, this is interesting. I wonder if there's any other women who are going through this who are compromising her own power. And I wanted to write about it. And so I launched a survey and interviewed women across the country and found that I wasn't the only one. And so that's where the idea, the genesis of this next book came from. Wow. So you mentioned your survey, and I know that you conducted a survey on gender bias, and more than 600 women executives have taken that survey. So what have you learned from your research so far? Yeah, I covered a lot of ground in the survey, but one of the most interesting responses came to the question, would you rather work for a man or a woman? And just over half of the respondents, so about 55%, said that they just wanted a good leader and that gender didn't matter. So that's good, right? We want that. But when given a choice, 32% said that they would actively choose to work for a man, and if given a choice, only 11% of the respondents said that they would actively choose a female boss. And it's all women who took the survey. So by a three-to-one margin, 
when given a choice, women preferred to work with men. And, you know, as you would expect, this question in particular um, had a lot of comments about it. And so when I was reading through all the comments trying to dissect why the number of women who would choose to work with for women managers was so low, there was one pattern that emerged. And the number one reason why women said that they would prefer to work with men is that men were seen as being more direct, more direct in their language. It wasn't... Um, they didn't come into the office and give inauthentic uh, seeming chit-chat before delegating an assignment, which is something that uh, you know women were perceived to have done, which I can certainly relate to given my Tupperware story. <laughs> um, but, yeah, the number one reason why women wanted to work with men was that men were perceived to be more direct. So I think that for women who are looking to um, – advance their own leadership skills in the work po in the workforce, they should really examine how direct they're being in their communications. That's not to say that you don't want to have niceties, that you don't want to balance your directness with, um, you know, some common courtesy, obviously, but um, that directness was central in the comments. Wow. So in what areas did women that you surveyed say that they most wanted to improve? In, for themselves? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, they wanted to improve for the most part in a couple main areas. Um, one was almost a full third of women who took the survey said that they wanted to improve their own assertiveness and their own ability to be more direct. And so for women who are looking to improve their own assertiveness, I always tell them not to bury the lead. Uh, it's a common journalistic principle that if you're writing an article, um, editors have been saying this for years, you don't bury the lead. You put the most important facts from the story up front so that you can hook your reader into reading more. And I think that women who are communicating in the workforce need to understand that process as well. So before just um, spouting off something in a meeting or popping into an office, you delegate something, like really take the time to say and think to yourself in advance, okay, what is the most important point that I want to get to, to um, convey here, and how can I put that up front in the most compelling, articulate way? So um, assertiveness and being more direct was uh, an area where women said they wanted to improve, and also time management and organizational skills was another area. That was another full 30% of women who took the survey said that they wanted to improve in those two areas as well. Hmm. So do you believe that women are leaning out of their careers in search for more work-life balance? Well, that, that's interesting. You know, I, I, I had an answer to this. And uh, when people ask me this question, and it's funny because over the weekend I was reading an article in um, Forbes magazine, and they were talking about this very issue. And it said that women have finally come to a place where we have real choice. So this is exactly, I was speaking at a conference um, a couple months ago with Gloria Steinem, and it's like, wow, this is the dream that the feminists, um, but that the feminists started, that, that women have a real choice in their career beyond a nurse or beyond a secretary or beyond a teacher, and this is fantastic. 
So men, on the other hand, um, you know, women can work or women can stay home. Men, on the other hand, are not quite that, you know, quote-unquote lucky. So this article in Forbes was saying that, hmm, perhaps it's time that we should be marching for men (laughs) so that they could have a choice to be home and stay, uh, you know, not be marginalized for staying home with their families while the Mm -hmm. women goes out to work. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, But when it, all of the research that I have conducted personally and all of the research that I have seen um, on women in the workforce um, typically says that women are, when women leave a job, that oftentimes it comes down to the fact that she's leaving because she doesn't feel like she's being managed properly. So there was um, a group called Catalyst that has been tracking women at work since the 60s, and they found that over that when they studied 4,000 MBAs over the first 10 years of their career, what they found was that only 3% of the women who left the workforce left to raise children. Women were far more um, likely to leave uh, their positions for faster advancement, more money, general career change. So I don't dismiss child-rearing as a factor in the advancement of women, but I take it off the table in the presentations that I do because all of the research that I've seen, including my own, says that leadership is the bigger issue. You know, it all goes back to the um, saying that people join companies and leave managers. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's where what we should focus on, and I think that that's you know one of the reasons why the work that I do and the work that you do is so incredibly important. That's great information. So you talk a lot about career fulfillment in the moment. What does that mean to you? Yeah, so this is a lesson that I was honestly about 33 years old before I learned. Um, you know, we spend so much time rushing through life and trying to get somewhere else and we can't climb the ladder fast enough and we can't get to that next rung fast enough. And, you know, I've really found in my own life that I was so preoccupied thinking about what it's going to take for me to get that brass ring, what it's going to take for me to achieve, you know, become a best-selling author and speak around the world and do all this stuff that I was missing the moments in my life that were right in front of me, I was missing, you know, I blinked and my youngest child turned six. And I'm like, wait a minute, I was so busy trying to figure out how I was going to get booked at this conference in New York than I was about appreciating the moments that are right in front of me. And um, so when I learned to stop and appreciate the moments that were right in front of me, and this includes being with my family, but it also includes doing the best job I can possibly do and the work that's right in front of me, honestly, like, that whole paradigm shift awakens something in me. And so I think that one of the things that I definitely try and do now, one of the lessons that I try and impart on women now is that, you know, it is okay to be ambitious. That is that is absolutely fine. I'm I'm ambitious too, and I'm not going to discourage you from from being ambitious. But I encourage women to have more patience with the process of success. And um, you know, I, I was watching one of your videos up on YouTube, and you said that um, 
things will happen on on their own time frame, which isn't always your time frame. Right, right. <laughs> but, you know, your line of uh, holding that image I think is so incredibly important. So you can hold the image of what it is that you want to achieve, and that's fantastic. And to get there, you know, you have to know what the next right thing is that will take you to that ultimate image, that ultimate place of where you want to be. But while you're doing that, you can't let the fact you can't let that image for tomorrow drive you crazy today. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where a lot of people kind of miss the boat. And um, so it's very important to be in the moment in your career. So, you know, plan for tomorrow. That's great. That's fantastic. But just don't squander today while you're doing it because it's the work that you're doing right now that sets the stage for the success that you're going to have tomorrow. I love that concept and perspective. It really does at a new uh, aspect to work-life balance, right? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Great. And there really is no such thing as work-life balance anyway, yeah. right? I mean, <laughs> I, I just, you know, it's sort of, I've heard it described now as a work-life blur, where, yeah. you know, you, everything is, is blurry. I mean, we, our phones keep us tied to work all night. I don't know about you, but one of my New Year's resolutions is that I am trying to break the habit of waking up in the morning, and the first thing that I do is reach over and grab my phone to see right. what kind of emails, you know, what's yeah, happening what came in the day overnight. ahead. So yeah. um, that work-life balance is bunk. So it's more about just figuring out what are the top priorities in your life and arranging your day to give equal weight to all of them. Fabulous. So, Emily, you have an online column on Forbes uh, called Women We Love, and you interview everyone from Fortune 1000 CEOs to supermodels. What are some things that you've learned from interviewing women who are at the top of their fields? Yeah, that column has been really, really fun, and um, I've had the – fantastic opportunity to interview, um, you know, Jan Fields, the president of McDonald's, the maternity powerhouse, Liz Lang, fashion editors, you mentioned supermodels, best-selling authors. All of them are in different industries, but all of them have one thing in common, and that's that, that they're at the top of their industries, and they all have such incredible stories to tell about how they got there. But um, if I had to say who, you know, what I kind of pulled from all of them or some of the my most favorite things to pull from all of them, I think Jan Fields, who was the pres- is the president of McDonald's, she said something that I thought was really, really interesting. She said um, that as she was coming, this is a woman who started on fries, by the way, which I think is incredibly important for people to know, that Jan Fields, the president of McDonald's, the woman who sits in Ray Kroc's office, started on fries. And um, as she was moving up it through McDonald's in her career, she said that she had some opportunities to, um, some significant career opportunities that she passed up because her daughter was in high school and she wanted her daughter, she had made a promise to her daughter that she was going to stay in one place for the four years while her daughter was in high school. And um so one of the things that she said was that you sort of, different periods of your life, you pick the priority that you have at that period in your life. Some t- 
times it's going to be work, you know. In your early 20s, it might be work. As you get older and you develop, you know, you have kids or whatnot, those kids become the priority. But you pick the priority, and then you center your life around that priority. And she said that that's the way that she was able to achieve balance in her career. Um, And I just thought that was so fantastic because she wasn't trying to achieve everything all at once. She was picking different priorities at different stages and focusing on those. Um, Also, I had uh, interviewed Tori Johnson, who's the workforce contributor for Good Morning America, and one of the things that she said that I thought was uh, everybody should know is that she said that the biggest mistake that um, job seekers or business owners make is that they have what she called lack of clarity um, or an exposing panic. And so one of the things that she was saying is that when people are interviewed about their um, – or just asked in the street about what kind of jobs they're seeking or what their work is, that sometimes they're so desperate for anything that they just end up telling hardship stories. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that Tori was saying is do not tell people your hardship stories because when you do that – you elicit the response from the other person of, oh, gee, gosh, that must be tough, when what you want is to elicit the reaction from the other person that is, wow, you know, you're doing some good work here. I've got to introduce you to so-and-so. So I think sometimes we get into that habit of feeling like, you know, we have to tell people that how tough it is. We have to tell people what's really going on, and that's not true at all. You know, it goes back to personal branding that you talk a lot about. Figure out what that image is that you want to project out in the world and make sure that your actions underscore that and you're going to get the reaction that you want from people. That's great advice. Love that. So, Emily, you're on your uh, book right now that you're working on for um, career women. Mm-hmm. So can you tell us about that and what makes it different from what's already out there in the market? Yeah, Effective immediately is full of advice for new grads, but it's really sort of a refresher for anyone regardless of what stage you're in the workforce. But it's full of practical things that you can do, you can physically do to stand out at work. And the next book, the book that I'm writing right now, is more about things that you should think. So it's a whole lot deeper and it goes down a few levels. Um, it's also, it touches a little bit on how to bring your spirituality into the workplace, not in a divisive way by any stretch, but in a way, not in a way that projects onto other people, but in a way that allows you to control yourself and to control your side of the street um, and what you need to know about that and how you can leverage your spirituality in the workplace to allow you to make positive decisions that will hopefully create positive situations that create positive results for you. So um, it's definitely a, a like world deeper than effective immediately. And I, I, you know, I was telling my husband over the weekend, I feel like I went from you know, the first Beatles album was, like, Meet the Beatles, and it was just, like, pop stuff. I went from, like, Meet the Beatles to Sgt. Pepper, like, two years. <laughs> That's great. That's great. We wish you a lot of success with that book. And uh, do you have any New Year's resolutions? 
Yeah, I do actually. Um, I know a lot of people aren't big fans of New Year's resolutions, but I I am. I think it's always good to evaluate where you've been in the last year and focus on where you want to go, you know. Hold that image, Ellie. Right. <laughs> but, um, I spoke at a conference recently with Gretchen Rubin, and she's the author of a book called The Happiness Project. And mm-hmm. I am just blatantly going to steal her process, um, but at least I'm giving her credit for it. But she created this checklist of things that she wants to do daily, so it's little things like no sugar in her diet, you know, right. five-minute meditation. She wants to make her bed. She has this process where she can't keep a journal, so she's keeping a one-sentence journal because that seemed like more right. manageable to her. But every single night she'll sit down and say, she has literally a checklist, did I do this today, did I do that today, did I do da 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 and go on down through it. And she was like, the way that I hold myself accountable every night for achieving these has just shot the productivity through the roof. And I think that that's where I've gone wrong in some of my resolutions in the past is where I've said, this is something that I want to do, but I don't actually like create a plan to get it done. And so I'm going to take my resolution is to take Gretchen's advice and create that daily worksheet that every single night I can say that I either did or didn't do exactly what I set out to do. And, um, I just love the idea of that structure and bringing that structure to your day because I know that you cannot do that process uh, and look back on everything that you've done without making some substantial growth in yourself and your career. Yeah, I really think that that's the way to accomplish any goal, right, is to look at the macro goal and then figure out how you're going to take those small steps to get there. And I think that, you know, Gretchen's plan and then the plan that you're about to follow is an awesome one. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, oh, absolutely. It's like, you know, the the constant New Year's resolution of I'm going to lose weight. Right. Uh, you know, well, unless you say, the, I always tell people, the goal is not to say I'm going to lose weight. The goal is to say I'm going to exercise for 30 minutes a day three times a week, mm-hmm. you know, because you don't just lose weight by saying you're going to lose weight. You lose weight by eating less and moving more. So make right. those your goals, and then you'll see success. Awesome. So, Emily, where can our listeners get copies of your book? Sure. Uh, Effective Immediately is on Amazon so and Barnes & Noble and wherever books are sold. Um, so you can check it out there. And my website is emilybennington.com. And I'm on Facebook at facebook.com backslash emilybennington and Twitter at emilybennington. So really tough to find, Ellie. <laughs> <laughs> Emily, thank you so much. You've been a great guest, and thank you for just taking the time today to share with us about your books and about your perspectives and the survey results. And uh, I know that our listeners are going to walk away with some great leadership strategies that they're going to be able to implement in their careers and in their day-to-day lives. Oh, thank you so much for having me, and I hope you have a Merry Christmas and a wonderful 2012 and beyond. Keep in touch. Thank you so much. And to all our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you will connect with me on Facebook, and uh, you can run a search on Facebook for the Leadership Strategies for Women page. Until next time, God bless.